Amen. It's all right to clap for that. The Lord is here. He is at work. He's going to speak to us today. He already has been speaking to us today. Amen. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so grateful for what God is doing in the midst of our church. And uh, I'm grateful for those who are joining us online. We're glad you're here with us as well. You're part of the vertical family this morning, whether you are here in Ovilla or you're in uh, Montana, even some of our folks are. So we're glad to be here together this morning. Our new series, Rattle, we've been looking at what it means for God to do a work that begins in us and rattles our world. Amen? Man, who would have thought 2020 would be all of this? And there's a, there's a rattling happening. I'm, I'm sure you noticed. I'm sure you noticed there's something happening in our world today, not just in Texas, not just in our nation, but there's something globally happened today. And we know by faith that it is not coincidence, it is not random, it is intentionally designed by God. Amen? He is about something right now. So we're going to attempt to understand more of what that is and how we're to be a part of it today. So uh, back in 1848, gold was discovered in California. And it, of course, began a mad rush from people across the United States and people around the world to get to California. It's estimated that over 300,000 people made that trek in search of gold. So pretty quickly, everybody began to come up with the best way to find gold. And one of the most common ways that was used was developed by a man named Isaac Humphrey. He developed a process called panning, in which they would take a pan like this, and they would go to a river an area where there was some water, and they would scoop up some dirt, fill their pan with it, along with some water, and then they would begin a process that would reveal the gold. Gold was heavier than anything else that was going to be found in the dirt or in the water. But to separate the gold from the rest of it, there had to be some movement. There had to be some rattling that took place. There had to be some work that took place. And so those who understood what Isaac Humphrey put in place would fill their pan, get down next to the river, and they would begin a process of swirling the pan around and allowing the water that was in the pan to move out what didn't belong in the pan. The water began to move out the smaller parts of sand the smaller pieces of gravel. And then the, the miner themselves would begin picking out the larger pieces. And there would be a little less, and they would continue the process of working their pan, spilling out what didn't belong so they could get to what needed to remain. And finally, after they had gone through this labor process of moving out what didn't belong, then what remained would be the goal. And it would be evident. They could look in and say, there it is. And there it is. It took a process of shaking and rattling to remove what didn't need to be there in order to reveal what was going to stay. Amen? This is a process that not only these gold prospectors and panners used, but this is a process that God uses and has used from the beginning and still uses today. When he wants to reveal 
what remains forever. He will rattle what is in order to reveal what remains. Mm. And he'll do it in our lives personally. I'm going to set this down here. He'll do it in our lives personally. He'll do it on family scale, church scale, state scale, scale, <laughs> national scale, and a global scale as well. It's something God has used throughout as part of his ways. Make a note of this. This is not going to be on screen, but you can go back and look at it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 and 27. It says, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. His voice shook the earth. His word shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only the unshakable will remain. Mm. It's a process God uses. And when a people, when a group, when a nation has allowed other things to become more important than the most important things, then God will begin the process of panning in our lives to remove what is unessential, that what is absolutely essential might remain. So when times of rattle come into our lives, we shouldn't be terrified we shouldn't be rattled ourselves. We should be on the alert that something big is about to happen. A rattle means there's a revival that's about to occur. If, whoa, there's a rattle right there. I just got rattled. A rattle means a revival is about to occur if, if the people will respond in faith in that moment. Mm. You see, rattles don't always lead to revivals. Sometimes rattles lead to people being bitter. Sometimes rattle causes people to harden their hearts. But when you have a rattling and you respond with faith, then you'll have a revival that will follow and it'll spread. So that's why today we don't have to be rattled at what's happening around us. We can actually be excited because we are on the verge of a revival on a global scale if the people of God will respond in faith in this moment. Amen? Does that give you a little bit of hope this morning? Let's look at a passage of scripture. I'm gonna get rid of this out of my pocket too. I'm traveling light right now. Our message today is called, This Place is About to Get Rattled. Anybody ready for a rattling? Turn to Acts chapter 16. This is where our story begins today. We're going to see how God played this principle out in his people and how this principle still plays out today. It's consistent with who he is and what he does. Acts chapter 16. This is the story, the heritage of the new church. The people filled with the Holy Spirit. The people who are the walking temple of God, who are the walking presence of God on the earth, like you and I today, we are that, and he is working through them. And boy, in the story today, you've got the fab four who are on missionary journey. You've got Luke, the doctor, who's writing. 
Everything we're reading in the book of Acts comes from his hand by the Holy Spirit. Luke, you've got young Timothy, who Paul will write to later as a young pastor in need of some direction and some encouragement. Luke, Timothy, Paul, the apostle Paul, who has met Jesus on a road because he was Saul who was living his life based on rules, trying to be the Pharisee of Pharisees. God gets a hold of his heart, transforms him, rattles his world, and he becomes sold out for Christ and becomes missionary primary number one. Paul, Timothy, Luke, and Silas. These four men are on a missionary journey. And God is working in them. Wherever they go, they are seeing incredible things happen. People are being transformed. They're preaching the gospel, turning things upside down, and they're about to run into some opposition. They're about to hit some rattle. Acts chapter 16, we're starting in verse 16. It says, now it happened as we went to prayer. You see how personal this is. This is Luke. We were going to prayer one day that a servant a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. So the four of these guys are on their way to a time of prayer and this girl shows up. And it says that she has a spirit of divination. As we're going to find, she has a demon in her. She has given her soul over to evil in the same way that you and I have given our lives over to follow Jesus Christ. She has given herself over to follow this evil spirit, and the way it's manifested in her life is this evil spirit is giving her insight into some things that are going on, which allows her to speak in unusual ways. And she's owned by some guys, and they are using her like a circus prop. They're making money for them because of her. Certain Slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. Watch out for them fortune tellers. Verse 17. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, just first read of that, you think, Well, that's a pretty good marketing plan right there. I mean, she's boldly saying exactly what it is that they're doing. They are proclaiming the way of salvation. They're servants of the Most High God. What could be wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is the way she was doing it. Because the way she was doing it, she was going out behind them saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She was making a mockery of them, attempting to. She was attempting to dissuade anyone who would come to them. She was attempting to discredit their message. They had the gospel of Jesus Christ in their hands and in their mouth, and they were proclaiming it, and she wanted to see it stopped. She had something in her, this spirit in her that was bitter, that was angry, that was against them, that wanted to stop them, and so she is causing some troubles. It goes on, verse 18, it says, and she did this for many days. I'm sure these guys for the first time were like, okay, well, that's interesting. You know, wherever they go, these men are servants of the Most High God. You know, and the first day it's like, all right, I don't know about this stuff. You know, this is getting, it's getting a little old. Days pass, and wherever they go, she's there. 
And Paul, greatly annoyed. <laughs> Don't you love how honest scripture is? You think, well, shouldn't he have just been patient? Shouldn't he have just had the, you know, the fruit of the spirit of gentleness in this moment? You know, there is a time to be patient and there is a time for action. And there is, there are some things that God jealously guards. And one of those is truth. And the truth of salvation. Don't twist it. Don't discredit it. Don't attempt to mock it. Because God will do what he must to make sure his truth gets proclaimed rightly, loudly, and boldly. And so Paul's aware of that. And Paul says, look, I've had enough of this. I'm sure behind the scenes these four guys have talked and they've worked out their plan. They've probably said, look, just, just ignore her. Let's just go on, pray for her. But there came a point where it says that Paul was greatly annoyed. And he turned and said to the spirit, not to her, but to the spirit in her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. See, Paul knew what was really going on in the situation. He was clear about what was going on, what was in her, and what was causing this. And Paul just called it out. He said, or the scripture says, and he came out that very hour. When you speak in the name of Jesus Christ, you speak with authority and boldness and faith, boom. Even the demons will tremble and believe. They have to obey the word of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And this demon comes out, verse 19. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. All of a sudden, all of her ability to know some things that she couldn't have known any other way that was given to her by this demon were all of a sudden removed. And she was set free. She was at peace. She was at calm. She had peace with God. She had peace with others. And she had focus in her life all of a sudden that she hadn't had before. She was at rest. And her slave-owning masters were very upset because this girl was making them some money. And those men go after Paul and Silas. It says they... They drag them into the marketplace to the authorities. They call the police on them, basically. Verse 20, and they brought them to the magistrates, these police-type figures, and they said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Now, let me just be clear. In this city, Philippi, that they are in, there were a lot of idols and temples and religious buildings. And the expectation in the culture was everybody goes to the temples. And this temple should be okay with this temple and this temple and this temple because we have to keep all the gods happy. If we don't keep all the gods happy, then things will go badly for us. So let's keep all the gods happy. Nobody complain about any other God because we want to keep all the gods happy. And into this environment comes the gospel of Jesus Christ that says there's only one God and one only. There's one Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's already paid the price. You don't owe anything to any other gods. You don't have to serve them at all. That kind of message coming into that kind of culture is disruptive because it sets people free. It sets people free from having to play the game, to chase the idols, to go to the temples, to live in anxiety, to live in fear, to live in depression, to live broke because they're giving all their money away to the things that they think will bring them some kind of happiness. And all of a sudden, 
the message of Jesus Christ comes in and starts setting some people free. And they didn't like it. They could have all the temples they wanted, but the message of Jesus Christ, they didn't like. It set people free. That's why these men said, they're teaching things that are not lawful for us. They're teaching things that we as Romans can't receive or observe. Verse 22, then the multitude rose up together against them. Boy, they incited a riot. They came out there, they stirred up the mob, and here we go. They're all of a sudden after these men of God because they won't play the game, they won't go along, they won't walk in the world's ways. And they stirred up the multitude against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes, not their own clothes, but that of Paul and Silas, and commanded them to be beaten with rods. These magistrates would carry around these rods that were used for beating, and they just went after it right there. They didn't take them into town to have some kind of case. They didn't let them call a lawyer. They didn't have any of that stuff. Right then, all of a sudden, you were declared guilty, and they commenced to beating them with rods. Verse 23, and when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. They began this day preaching the gospel. They began this day praying. They began this day seeing people set free. They began this day seeing a woman set free and rejoicing. And all of a sudden, things changed. All of a sudden, what they were doing was criminal activity. All of a sudden, what they were doing, the multitude rose up against. All of a sudden, they weren't popular anymore. And they were arrested. And they were put in prison. And they were they were put in the inner prison for the most hardened, heartless criminals. They were put in the place where their feet were put into stocks, where they were sitting in this prison that was filled with squalor. If you don't know what squalor is, it's just as nasty as what it sounds like, squalor. All that had drained from the upper cells to the lower cells. All that was nasty. And I mean the number one that was nasty and the number two thing that was nasty. There's some code language for you. Squalor. They're sitting in this. They've got their feet in stocks. They are secured their feet are chained. They cannot move. They cannot go anywhere. You would have thought they had committed the highest crime in the land. But what they had done was preach the gospel and saw a heart set free and taught people that there was peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. They could be free from playing the religious games, the temple pursuits, and the endless frustration of dealing with the demonic thoughts. This was their crime, and here they are, suffering. Here they are at a place where things had not gone well for them. Now, that would be a no good, very bad day. That would be terrible. This is one of those moments when 
you and I would get rattled. You start your day, you're on your way to work, you're doing your thing. You're doing not just your thing, but you're doing what God has called you to do. You share your faith with someone. They get free from all that, they're, that they've struggled with, walked in, and all of a sudden they're a new person, and soon you get arrested because of their freedom. You get beaten unfairly. You get put into prison for doing the right thing. Where's justice? Where's God in this moment? It's what you and I would be tempted with. And here they are, absolutely rattled. Their day has not gone well, and there's no clear direction for the future. But if you remember where we started today, that when a rattle starts happening in your life, it's a process God is using. When you get rattled, it's not God trying to condemn you. It's God setting you up to use you. And the rattling is happening for Paul and Silas. They're there in that prison, unfair, unjust, beaten. And everything that they had held on to for who they would be in their own minds and what they believed God had called them to was all of a sudden just dwindling away and God was removing all that they trusted in. God was removing everything that they possibly could have put their security in. They didn't have the possessions they needed. They didn't have the rights that they deserved. They didn't have all of the safety and security and peace and comfort that they needed in this moment. No, God was rattling their world. There's a rattling happening today. You feel it. I feel it. It feels like things are kind of coming apart at the seams. In all of our lives, we've experienced some form of it. Maybe for you, it's been some income. Maybe for you, it's been some health issues. Maybe for you, it's been some emotional, mental struggles. Maybe for you, it's been some faith issues where all of a sudden you've had to try to process and digest all that's going on around you, and it feels like your world is just being absolutely shaken. It is. When God shakes, when God rattles, it's a setup for revival if we'll respond by faith. Let's see what happens in our story. Because thankfully, that's not the end of the story. We continue on, verse 25. But at midnight, in the dark of the night, in the deepest part of the night, after you've had some thoughts about the day process in your head, when it kind of gets quiet around you and the thoughts inside you are louder than what's going on around you, when all of a sudden you're starting to try to deal with what's going on inside your life, inside your head, and all of a sudden in that moment at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Whoo! That is some faith in the moment. They got rattled. They respond with faith. That means you know what's about to happen next. This is what happens when you get rattled and you respond with faith. It's only a setup for revival. And this is about to happen for these guys. 
I'm just trying to picture the darkness of that moment, the cold stone floor, the darkness of it in the moment, the anger with which they have been treated, the bitterness at which they have had demonstrated right in front of their eyes, and here they are sitting with their feet locked, cannot move, and they start singing. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. In the midst of all of that, they're singing. They're not singing the blues. They're not singing some grungy old metal song about how terrible life has been. They're not singing, you know, some bad country song about how everything has just worked out terribly. I like some country, by the way. <laughs> They're not singing some heavy metal Axl Rose stuff from the 80s, you know, that's just grinding down about their anger and, you know, rage against the system. None of that's happening here in this moment. They're singing a hymn. They're singing from just simplicity of their hearts. They're singing out of faith. They're trusting God in this moment, in the moment that they are being rattled to the core. They're singing and they're praying. I have to believe they weren't saying, oh God, help us, we're just so sad right now. Help us God, this is pitiful. It smells bad in here. That's not what these men are praying. These men had long already given up comfort and pleasure and ease. Or they would not have been on the streets preaching the gospel in a culture that needed to be upended. They were long past all of their comfort and ease and they're ready to do whatever God's called them to do. So when they're praying, they're praying for the people around them. They're praying for that jailer who just tossed them in here and locked them up. They're praying for the people that they saw as they came in. They're praying for the men that beat them when they, as before they came into the prison. They're praying for these people. They're praying for them to come to know Jesus Christ. They're praying for them to experience the reality of his presence. They're praying that they will have what they have. They're praying and singing. And I love the end of 25. It says, and the prisoners were listening to them. What else are you going to do in a prison? And they are listening because all of a sudden here in the prison is a sound that hadn't been heard before. All of a sudden in the prison is a sound that was different. Most of the sound in the prison was anger. Most of the sound in the prison was defiance. Most of the sound in the prison was rage. And all of a sudden here in the midst of the darkness are some men who are grateful to God, who are praying with hope, who are praying with passion, who are trusting that God has not left them, but that God has actually designed this moment for them, that God has rattled them in order to bring a revival through them. They're praying all of this. They know all these are great men of faith. Remember, this is the fab four of the faith. Verse 26, suddenly, had to say that with emphasis because that's how it happened. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. 
You see, a rattling was happening in Paul and Silas. They exercised their faith and trusted in God and said, God, we know what's going on here. This is a culture that has left you. This is a culture that has denied you. This is a culture that has turned their backs on you. But we trust you in the midst of this. You're gonna use even this to turn things upside down. And in this moment, God hears that with great delight and says, you are right, boys. I'm about to do something. And he does something in the physical realm that is gonna happen in the spiritual realm. So it starts off here and it says there was an earthquake. Now, this is not some random geological incident that just happened to happen at the exact same time. This is not something that was just a rare coincidence. This is strategically planned by God for this moment in response to their faith. The ground began to shake. There was an earthquake that happened. And this earthquake was so great that the foundations of this prison were shaken. This is Rome. They didn't build anything halfway They built big, they built strong, they built powerful. And God says, I don't care what you build, I can shake it up and break it up in a minute. And here it was happening all of a sudden because these two men had faith. What everybody else thought could never happen, these two men believed in faith. I told you, God only needs a few who respond right to a rattle to cause a revival. Hold on to that. Earthquake. Foundations prison were shaken. Immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. Mm. In the physical realm, that's what you saw. Earthquake, shaking, chains pop off the wall, and all of a sudden, every door opens, and they're like, huh? (laughs) Everyone in the prison is free to now walk out. This apparently was a group of other believers who had committed similar offenses. And here they are all together in this spot. And every door swings wide open. Every chain falls right off. And this is their moment to step out in freedom if they so chose. Verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open... Supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. Long sentence. It says this. The man who was responsible for keeping all of these bad folks together, locked up under the authority of Rome, this man all of a sudden had everything about his life threatened. These prisoners could all walk out in this moment, and that would mean the end of his life, most likely from his authorities. But if it wasn't from him, it was going to be from all these prisoners who said, dude, we saw how you treated us when we came in here. We're about to come out of here and go on you. This man all of a sudden feared for his life. And when he was in such great fear and anxiety and tension and overwhelmed in this moment, he realized something has to happen. He couldn't bear the guilt. He couldn't bear the weight of what was about to occur in his life. And the only answer he knew, the only thing he could come up with, the only thing that seemed reasonable and logical in this moment was for him to take his own life, to commit suicide. 
I can't bear the weight of it. I can't bear with what's about to happen to me. I'm just going to end it myself. That was all this man had. He didn't have faith. He didn't have hope. He didn't have peace. He had no understanding of the sovereignty of God. He had no understanding of the power of God. And all he thought was, this is it. I just need to end it right here. That's what happens when people with no faith get rattled. They got nowhere to go. They have nothing to hold on to. They have nothing to turn to. And the conclusion at the end of the day is, it would be better if I just ended it. I don't know if you're like me and Heather, but during all this um, limited interaction time, we'll call it, uh, there's not as much to go and do. At least there hasn't been for us. We do some things, but not all the things you used to do. So Netflix has become a friend. But man, it's hard to find some good movies on Netflix. I don't know about you. It is for me. I've gone to Amazon, looked on there for some good movies. Still just as difficult. I found some. Come ask me. I'll tell you about some of those later. Um, but when you watch some movies that the world has produced, you get this story, basically. Some people live in their life, put their hope into some things, their job, their money, their security, their pleasure, their ease, whatever. Something rattles their world. They look for some kind of way to soothe the hurt. They turn to immorality. They turn to alcohol. They turn to food. They turn to whatever, social media. You just name it. They, they turn to it to try to do something in here. And it doesn't work. And often, most of them end up hopeless, like this guy. It's a sad commentary on our day, but understand this. That is why the rattle comes. Because the culture has turned. The culture doesn't know. The culture's walked away. The culture is in need of some hope. And the only way they're going to ever wake up to it is to get the world and rattle it a little bit, to cause some things to be shaken, to cause us to be shaken in the midst. Because what they need to see is somebody who has some hope. What they need to see is somebody who has some life. What they need to see is someone who says, I know where God is in the midst of this, and I will not be rattled. And this is exactly what happens for Paul and Silas. They are not rattled in the midst of all of this. And when there's some people of faith who will say, I refuse to be rattled in the midst of it, no matter how dark it is, no matter how terrible it is, no matter how painful it is, I will not be rattled, I will not turn away, I will not give up. When that happens, God will shake the foundations of a culture. Mm. He'll shake the foundations in a community. He'll shake the foundations in a family when someone stands up and says, I'm going to trust God in this moment. I'm going to follow what he says. I'm going to believe him. I'm not going to give in, give up, turn away, turn aside. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my defense. And in him alone will I trust. That person, God, will use. Let's get back to our story. Verse 27, verse 28, this man's about to kill himself, verse 28, but Paul, but Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm for we are all here. Paul and Silas had the moment. This is the moment to head out 
It's dark. The doors are open. The chains came off. There's, there's confusion. There's chaos. Paul and Silas could have easily said, out of here, off into the night. But they were more concerned about this man than they were their own freedom. They were more concerned about his freedom than their own freedom. Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Verse 29, then he, this jailer, he called for a light. He ran in and he fell down trembling. He fell down rattled before Paul and Silas. There were lots of people in the prison. Why did he go to them? There were a lot of people he could have gone to. There were bigger people, stronger people, more powerful people, but this man chose to go to Paul and Silas. Why? Because they were not rattled. They were the ones saying, we trust God. We believe God is up to something. There's something happening here. And here's what he said in verse 30. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Can you help me? I've got this terrible angst inside me right now. I don't know what to do. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I have no frame of reference. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this moment. I only know that my life is an absolute wreck. I am totally rattled. What do I do? Can you help me right now? Do you know what to tell me so that I can be rescued, not just physically, but from this terrible turmoil in my soul? If we want the world today to recognize that they have been rattled and come and ask the question, what do I do? Then we've got to be a people who don't look like those people. If we're rattled like them, if we walk in the same path that they walk, if we do the same things that they do, if we say the same thing that they say, if we curse like they curse, if we do like they do, if we drink like they drink, if we eat like they eat, if we go where they go and do what they do, they're not ever going to come to us and say, hey, you're different. What do I do? What a day for us as the church. There's a shaking going on. And those who have faith will say, I cannot do what I've done before. He's rattling my world. And I want to be the one that in the deepest, darkest night, I pray and I sing. Amen? What must I do to be saved? Verse 31, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in him. He is the one who's paid the debt. He is the one who's come as the final sacrifice. He is the one who is the promised son of God, the lamb of God, who can take away your sin, take away your guilt, and make you right with God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And then the Holy Spirit must have told Paul something because it says, not only will you be saved, but you and your household. Now, it looks just like a, an easy few word add-on in a sentence. But I, I have to believe that Paul and Silas saw something about this man. They couldn't have known what his backstory was. But in this moment, God must have prompted them and said, 
I want you to add this when you tell him he can be saved, but so can his household. Your wife, your kids, those that you really care about, those that you're concerned about, those that you've been stressed about. Verse 32 says, Then they, Paul and Silas, spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. They left that prison. The jailer, the guy who's responsible for all those others, said, hey, you two, let's go. And they take off to his own house because he all of a sudden is moved, touched, changed by God. And he says, I want my wife to hear this. I want my kids to hear this. Would you come to the house with me? And they go, and they speak that word to them. Verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. The man who had been responsible for their imprisonment, the man who had been responsible for their being locked up is the one now who is taking cloths and water and washing their back. He's caring for them. This man has been radically changed by the power of God. He saw something different in them. And they had to know what it was. And immediately, verse 33, it says, he and his, I'm sorry, and he and all his family were baptized in that moment. I mean, this has been a day, quite a day. Arrested, beaten, in prison, singing, earthquake, chains fall off. Man says, what do I do to be saved? Share the gospel with him. Talk to him about how Jesus is the answer. They go to his house, talk to the family. They all want to be baptized, and boom, they just do it. Right then, there is radical transformation. I mean, a revival is kicking off here. Revivals always happen when there's a rattle and the people respond by faith. It's happening right here. Verse 34, he went, brought them to his house. He set food before them and rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. What a story. What a powerful story. Revival started there in that moment. The day started with a a bitter, evil spirit inside a woman. But the day ended with an entire family bending their knee to Jesus Christ and following him and being baptized. If we want to see change happen in our world today, then we have to be like Paul and Silas in this story. Don't let the rattle happening around you make you bitter. Don't let the rattle happening around you leave you depressed. Don't let the rattle happening around you lead you to what you know is destructive for you. Let the rattle lead you right to Christ and respond to him with absolute faith and Worship him in that moment. God, you're shaking things up. 
I see what you're doing there, God. I'm with it. I'm in. Use me. Move through me. I'll sing to you. I want to wrap up today with some real basic points for us to walk away with and and use as a prayer guide for you. Here they are. The first things we do if we want to see our world rattled around us. The first thing is this. Worship with passion when you feel rattled. When all of a sudden the emotions of rattled are coming up on you, let your faith be bigger than that. When your thoughts start to swirl out of control, let your faith be bigger than that. And say, God, you are good. You are sovereign. There is nothing that happens in this world that is outside of your hand and your plan. And I trust you. And I'll sing to you in the darkest night. I'll sing to you in the deepest pain. I'll trust you. You want to start a rattle in your home? You want to start a rattle in your community? You want to see a rattle ripple across this culture today? Then it starts with you and me. It starts with us. Not having the same attitudes, not having the old ways, not having what those who don't know God do. But we surrendered, yielded, confident, faithful, worship our God in the midst of the shaking. The second thing we do is this. Pray specifically for those nearest you. If God is rattling your world, it's because he's trying to say something to the people around you. Mm. This is where you and I get a little off the path sometimes because we think everything is about us. It's all about me. God's trying to tell me something, wants me to do something, wants me. He's trying to get me. He's trying to hurt me. He's trying to meet, me, 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 me. Hey, God has chosen by his mercy and grace to use you. Be grateful. If he rattles your world, it's because he's trying to get the attention of the people around you. So pray for those people. When you get rattled, start praying for them. I believe that's who Paul and Silas are praying for, this jailer. Praying for the people in the prison cells around them. They weren't praying for themselves. Number three, pray for God to move heaven and earth for them, not just you, them. Pray for God to do some, as we saw last week in Acts 4. Pray for God to do signs and wonders, something absolutely stunning, something that would cause them to go, whoa, wait a minute. There ain't no way that could have happened except from God. That has to be from God. Pray for that to happen in their life. Pray for them to be moved. Pray for them to be changed. Pray for circumstances that are just absolutely unusual that would cause them to break out of their routine, cause them to say, this has to be God. Pray for them for that to happen. God hears that prayer. God honors that prayer. And the fourth thing is this. Let the rattle of revival begin in you. process of rattling, panning, is a process of removing some things, getting some things out that don't belong. That gravel doesn't belong in here. That sand doesn't belong in here. Those rocks don't belong in here. I want to get down to the gold that's in here. 
as Peter would write later in the New Testament, so that the sincerity of your faith, which shines like gold, might be to the praise and honor of Jesus Christ. So that when you get rattled, confidence, peace with God, hope in him, and worship is seen. Because the world is looking for an answer today. And God has graciously, mercifully chosen that you and I would be the vessels that reveal the gold of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, it's time for us to do our work. It's time for us to do what God's Word tells us to do. We've been taking some time over the past couple weeks to pray at this moment. We're going to do that today. I would invite you, if you would like, you're welcome to come to this front and kneel and pray. If you want to get off in a corner with a family member and pray, you're welcome to. I want you to feel that freedom. This is our time to do some warfare. This is our time to surrender our hearts and say, God, what are you shaking in me? What do you want to remove from me? What needs to change in me so that those around me can see you in me? And then, God, I want to pray for the people around me. I want to pray for those that are hurting, confused, anxious, bitter. I want to pray for them because you have a purpose in the rattle, and that's to rescue them. So um, let's bow our heads. Feel free to pray with whoever is with you. If you'd like to come to the front and pray, you can do that as well.